Hey everybody, this is our first ever episode, uh, so we're still learning, bear with us. We lost a little bit of our audio uh, in the recording slash editing process, but we were able to save the entire story, so please enjoy the episode. Content warning, this episode contains explicit language and material. Listener discretion is advised. This is Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murder. On New Year's Eve, 1980, a 20-year-old university student named Karen Potak had been partying with her sisters in St. Paul. Around midnight, a drunk Karen went off on her own to wander the streets of St. Paul before going home. She soon stumbled into a dark alley. There is where she encountered a strange man. Three hours later at 3 a.m., a man with a weepy voice calls the police in a panic requesting a squad car to Pierce Butler Road, Melberg Manufacturing Company machine shop because, quote, there's a girl hurt there. She was lying on the ground by the railroad tracks. After the dispatch uh, dispatcher asked a question, he abruptly hung up the phone. The police went to the location the man described where soon they find by the railroad tracks she had been hit more than 10 times with a tire iron. Wait a second. (laughs) Pause. So she's naked. Yes. In the snow. Yes. Beaten with a tire iron. Yes. Is the tire iron nearby? Like, can they see it or does it just like left lug nut imprints on her somewhere? You know, I would assume so. They never actually said. Just that she had been beaten with a tire iron. Is she dead? Well, I'm getting there. Okay. (laughs) The beating was so brutal it cracked her skull. But to their surprise, Karen was still alive. What? Yeah. Yikes. And she was just like partying on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did happen, guys. Jesus. But kind of lucky for her. It did cause a lot of brain trauma, so she forgot pretty much everything that happened. It's good for her, I suppose. I don't think that's something you'd really want to remember. Right. Except now they don't know who did it. That is the downfall. They don't know who did it because she couldn't remember. But she did. She did live. Okay. Like, no guy was found? No. He had left. Okay. <laughs> I'm really curious what a weepy voice is. Like, that just stuck in my brain. What What makes a voice weepy? Is it just sounds like you're crying? Yes. That's exactly <laughs> how he sounded. Or like he, a whiny toddler? Yeah, like he was crying and in distress. I wonder if it was like full on toddler, you know, where they you get you need to help her. Not quite. You could still make out kind of what he was saying. Yeah, if you go listen to the 
the actual the recordings. actual recordings of his voice it's hard to understand what he's saying because he's doing this like cry baby voice but you can still hear a little bit mm-hmm. weird Three months later, on July 3rd, 1981, a group of boys were walking in a wooded area around Interstate 35E and found the body of a young girl. When the police got there, they find 18-year-old Kimberly Compton. She had been stabbed 61 times with an ice pick and also randomly strangled with a shoelace. That's a bit excessive. Right? Well, an, an ice pick is, like, small. 61 times? Yeah. So that seems more like a uh, crime of passion. I don't know about all that. Well, that's usually what happens. Maybe. 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 I'm going to passionately stab you 61 times with an ice pick? Yeah. (laughs) You say I love you every time? A little backstory on Kimberly Compton, though. She had literally just got there that day. She literally just rolled into town that day. That's bad luck. Bad luck. Dude, their welcoming committee sucks. Okay. So, a few hours later, police get a call from a man with a weepy voice. Quote, God damn it, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. Somebody? (laughs) That's like this. Like I keep killing the same person. I keep <laughs> killing somebody. That's how we said it. I keep killing somebody. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. That's pretty strange. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Strange choice of words. <laughs> that verbiage is a little weird. Yeah. I keep killing somebody. Direct quote. <laughs> the police determined it was the same man from the call made after the attack on Karen Potok. This earned him the name the Weepy Voice Killer. That call gave the police enough time to trace the call to a payphone at a bar by the bus depot. But of course he was gone before they got there. Two days later, the Weepy Voice Killer called again. Quote, don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. I don't know why I had to stab her. I'm so upset about it. I keep getting drunk every day, but I can't believe I did it. It's a big dream. I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. I'd rather kill myself than get locked up. I'll try not to kill anybody else. Big dreams. Big dreams. I'll try. It's a big dream to kill somebody. But he doesn't want to get locked up. But he doesn't want to get locked up. I took it as it. It was like a big dream. Oh, like he, like, never he did it. like he never thought he could do it. Oh, like surreal. Oh, I can't. Okay. Gotcha. Like he, it felt like a dream when he was doing my, it. My biggest takeaway from all that was the dude's drunk every day. Let's start go check out bars. Like, and yeah. he, you know, keep track of where people are buying booze. The problem is they don't know what he looks like. Exactly. Well, just listen for someone who sounds like they're crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what to say about this guy. So he's like, well, I'm sorry. He wants to get caught, but he doesn't want to get caught. He's like, uh, like, God damn it, find me. But wait, wait, hey, whoa. I don't want to go to jail, though. Yeah. Because yeah. I want to kill myself. He, yeah. He, he he doesn't want to go to jail. He doesn't want to be there. What does he think they're going to... 
but it's they're just okay. gonna be like, it's all right, dude. You're just killing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, he said he'll try not to kill anybody else. I mean, that's a. That's well, thank a, goodness for them. That's a plus, yeah. right? Okay. He's well, getting let's, an F for effort. Let's see. Let's see how that goes for him. <laughs> And F forever. Yeah, we give him the A, but he's already killed two people. He's obviously not trying very hard. Well, no, he only killed one person. Yeah, he, he tried to kill. The first one, That's right. The first one survived. She lived. lived with brain damage. Yeah. So, 13 months later, on July 21st, 1982, a woman named Kathleen Greening was discovered dead face up in her bathtub by Fred. The two women were supposed to leave for vacation that day. She had swung by to pick Kathleen up, but when she got there, Kathleen wouldn't come to the door. So she just let herself in and went room by room calling out for Kathleen. That's when she stumbled upon a horrible scene of her best friend dead in a bathtub. Kathleen's death was ruled an accident until years later. Hold on. So what, it looked like a slip and fall type of situation? No. She was literally laying in the bathtub with her knees almost to her chest in water. Like, but, but face, face up. up. Yeah. But that makes zero. How would they rule that an accident? Because there was no evidence of anyone ever being in that apartment. Not That anything. doesn't mean she didn't let them in. Yeah. Like she could have let them in. Yeah, but they, they didn't find anything. Like. Nothing out of place. No, okay. You gotta fight hard though if somebody's trying to drown you. Like what she did. It doesn't dead even before say, being put in the bathtub. She well, would have to be. You also it doesn't gotta, even say how she actually what accidental death she had. Well, you also gotta figure back in the early eighties, they were they didn't have like DNA or anything like that. So they probably weren't thinking, oh well, let's like scrape under her nails or Anything like that. Yeah, but like bruising, if you're getting drowned, like if somebody's forcing your head underwater, you're, you're going gonna to fight. fight back. There's going to be bruising, any kind of like marks whatsoever from you hitting that person and or the wall, the tub. I'm wondering if they did, did I don't know how advanced like toxicology testing was at Unless that point. Unless he but, drowned like, her face first from the outside. And then, like, flip like from behind, and then put her in the bathtub and staged her that way. Either way, that that position, if I'm like, it just sounds unnatural. Like, you're not going to put yourself in essentially what sounds like a fetal position, but flat on your back in a tub full of water. If it's an accident, yeah, I don't know, man. It was really weird. That whole sounds like top notch police work, Mm, yeah, kind (laughs) of. 16 days later, on August 6th, 1982, a newspaper carrier spotted a body along the Mississippi River River, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 29th Street. <laughs> she would be identified as 40-year-old Barbara Simmons. The night before Barbara was found dead, she was at the Hexagon, a local bar. She had met a man there and offered him a cigarette. As she was leaving, she said to the waitress, quote, he's cute. Hope he's nice since he's giving me a ride home. Oh, no. That's not a good idea. The waitress made a mental note of what the man looked like because he seemed kind of off. 
Two days after Barbara's body was found, the police get another call from the weepy-voiced killer. Mm -hmm. Quote, Please don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself, I think. I'm just going to. If someone dies with a red shirt on, it's me. I've killed more people. I'll never make it to heaven. Uh, no, no, you won't. Uh, real no. quick, was he right on the number? Was it 40 stab wounds? Yes. So the dude, he while counted. he's committing the murder, is counting. Yep, with both Barbara and Kimberly. Like, beyond the fact that he's obviously not right because he's killing people, I think he might be further not right because, like, I'm just picturing this dude, like, full Sesame Street style, like, one stab, ah, ah, like, <laughs> full on, just, he's, I don't think, I think the dude's further off than just, like. To keep count the entire time is a little bizarre. But, I mean, if it's, you know, passion killings. Well, usually when they say a passion killing, it's like, you know, they know that person. So it's like a deep hatred kind of passion, not a love. Because to stab somebody, you have to be up close and intimate. Like, it's not like a gun. Mm. Right. This is mm. definitely not a crime of passion. No, it's a crime of he's a psycho. He's just psychotic. He's learning how to count. <laughs> <laughs> police talked to the waitress from the fifth and was asked to give a description of the man that gave barbara a ride she described him as in his 40s six foot and 180 pounds she also said he had a dark complexion and receding black hair as the police tried to track the man on the other side of the phone down there was another victim on august 21st 1982 so that's what, like a month or two after the no, girlfriend? It's the like, rest the... No, no, it's, it's like... the same month. It's literally just like two weeks later. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because uh, Barbara <clears throat> happened on August 5th, and she, this poor woman, is August 21st. Gotcha. Okay. So he's like escalating. He went he's like- doing it more frequently. He went from like- Two back to back and then waited a year. Oh, a little over a year. And now he's done like every two six... more back to back. Yeah. Technically three. Okay, keep reading. Is wasn't there the one in like June or July? Yeah. Maybe yeah. So it was literally three. it was a month and then two weeks, like two ish weeks. Okay. She accepted, so they got back in his car. On the way back, Denise noticed they were going the wrong direction. This is when she started to panic, but tried to stay calm enough that he wouldn't notice. So she is currently, she was looking for things in the car to possibly defend herself with because she was like a 5'2 woman. Okay. She's short and small. So she notices a glass bottle on the floorboard of the car. And without him seeing her, she grabbed it. Right as he is pulling into a dark alley, he threw his car in park, started stabbing her in the stomach. Denise, bottle in hand, started hitting him in the head as hard as she could. The two continued to strike each other in the alley outside of an apartment building. The screams from the whole attack woke up a man who ran outside to see what was happening. The upstanding citizen started to confront the attacker because he 
causing him to flee, saving Denise's life. Holy moly. Uh, good for her. Thank God for that guy. Right? And thank goodness for gut intuition. Like, Right. And that he was a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. That right. glass bottle and that man saved her life. The man attacking Denise went back to his apartment to make one more 911 call. But this time his voice wasn't weepy. Quote, I need an ambulance. I'm all cut up. I got beat up. I'm bleeding from the arm, my face, the head. This call would be this call. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) This is the call that would seal his fate. The police would pick him up quickly and connect him to the weepy voice killer calls. They would learn he Paul Stefani, born September 9th, 1994, in Austin, Minnesota. Shauna, you said 94. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Start out. Sometime. (laughs) Yeah, okay. They would learn he was Paul Stefani, born in September 9th, 1944, in Austin, Minnesota. He was one of 10 children, and his family was extremely religious. He moved to St. Paul, Minnesota in the 60s. He had a wife he divorced and a child he abandoned. And he couldn't hold down a job, which he blamed on his epilepsy. He had a history of mental illness, and after being fired from Melbourne, he went back out out of anger and ran into Karen Potap. Okay, real quick. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew the guy beyond just killing people was not right. Oh. Yeah, I called no. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so did he go attack that girl the same day he got fired or? It never said. It just said that he went back to Melbourne. And when he went back out of anger, that's where Karen Potak was. Hmm. Okay, so this it was this whole spree started because he got fired. Right. Which kicked off his violent crime spree, finding and running into Karen Potak. Okay. Hmm. So he was arrested and convicted with two counts of attempted murder and three counts of murder. He was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and they only got a conviction, really, because his sister testified that he was the man on the calls. Without that, they wouldn't have even gotten uh, to prosecute him. Yeah, because they needed what? some. They there needed was s- no evidence that he was the one that actually did. Any yeah, they of those had crimes. They had no like weapon, no DNA, no nothing. So his sister had to identify his voice in the nine one one calls. Yeah. What if she just didn't like him? What if it wasn't actually him, and she just didn't like him? It was definitely him. Well, I mean, he <laughs> got beat up by a sex worker and was covered in blood. So it, he at least tried to hurt her. Right. Yeah. If he didn't try do the other ones. Right. So basically, his sister is what put him in prison for 40 years. Thank God. While he was there, he would be diagnosed with cancer and confessed to killing Kathleen Greening. After a recheck, they found Paul's name and number in her address book. So that's the girl from the bathtub. That's the girl from the bathtub. That is the only victim he killed that he actually knew personally. He knew her. Gotcha. Really? Yes. I mean, so that would 
that would explain a sign of initial struggle. She already knew who he was. She let him in her house. She let him in. Hmm. So Paul actually died of cancer in 1998. So he would never actually serve his full prison sentence. So how long was he in prison? Um, all of the case, all like 10 years. Well, that would have put him what in his 50s. So his last attack was 1982 when he was arrested that night for it. So, yeah. So he only had to serve 10 years in prison. Just a little over 10 years, yeah, before he died of cancer. Did he know he had cancer before? I have, I don't think so. I I have read conflicting things that he went on the killing spree because he was diagnosed with cancer and then I've read that he didn't find out until he was in prison. Hmm. Because knowing you had cancer beforehand in, in the 80s and you're already mental, like mentally unstable. Yeah. You I could see, see that being, being like, oh, well, well, oh, well. Yeah, fuck mm, it. Let's, right. Not that it's okay. Not, it's not condoned. but It's definitely not okay. But it would make more sense almost rather than, oh, I got fired from my job, even though I can't hold down a job anyway. But this one's just going to send me over the edge. Yeah, I don't know. His whole story was really weird because he literally just abruptly divorced his wife and left his daughter. So he was probably planning this. Yeah. yeah he had to be. He was like, you know what? I'm going out of the bang. A horrible bang. <laughs> yeah, which is so <laughs> awful. Goodness. Yeah, they're on YouTube. They are on YouTube. Hmm. I think I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear what he actually sounds like. It's weird. He sounds like a creepy, old, dirty pervert. That's what he sounds like. And a narcissist. Me reading it doesn't bring the narcissism out as much as him saying it. I don't want to hear what you have to say. That and <laughs> I know I committed these crimes, but please don't put me where I belong. I'll just kill myself. Like, that's a threat. I know. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> you want us to get you a rope? <laughs> like, can we do it in public? You know, I'm sure all of those girls' families would love to watch you hang. Exactly. Like, it was so narcissistic. People debate on whether or not he was actually... Sorry for what he did, and that's why I called. But if you really listen, you see, you can hear that that's not the case. Mm. It was I never was the sorry case. Sorry about it at no. all. No, no, the dude was just. Crazy. He might have actually wanted someone to stop him, but mm. I don't think he was actually sorry. But on the other hand, he's a killer, so he probably just wanted the attention. I yeah, say, I feel like he just wanted somebody to know. Yeah, he just he, he couldn't yeah. stand not sharing the secret. Yeah, yeah, which is a really common thing with serial killers. They want to be known because they think somebody's they're gonna be like get a high five or something. Like, no way! Like, bro, <laughs> high five on that one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the infamy. They want like to be famous long before they long after they're dead. Well, think about this one. Without those nine one one calls, he would have never been found. Well, I think he would have eventually, but he probably Maybe. could have killed like 20 more people. Women. They were all women. I don't know. Mm. In he, case. he was dumb enough to have messed up eventually. He would have gotten caught. Yeah, they always get caught. 
It's weird, though, because, I mean, I'm assuming technically he is classified as a serial killer. Yes. One of the three victims over, you know, an extended period of time. But there was a lot of difference in the killings that he did. Like, sure, there was stabbing in, what, the majority of them, but not all of them. Yeah, I know. I think it was just more, uh, what item can I, ha- what item do I have yeah. that I can beat someone I with? I think he was opportunistic serial killer, not a planning like more sadistic serial killer right because when he met kimberly compton he just so happened to be in the diner when he mm-hmm. met karen potak he had just so happened to be around melberg and when he met barbara he just so happened to be in the bar yeah it was just a, he just committed crimes of opportunity the only one he went seeking out was the sex worker yeah, and Kathleen well, Green. Yeah, his, his friend in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. friend. That's right, that's right, that's right. But I feel like that, to me... I wonder if because he knew her is why he, it wasn't malicious. That it wasn't a stabbing... You know what? It could have been the reason that it wasn't like the others. <laughs> I don't know. No that's, you know, to think about that, I mean, if you're picking up these women at random and stabbing them 40, 60 times... But then there's one, the one that you actually know, and it's just a accidental drowning case. Like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I have no idea. This is, it sounds nuts. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the episode. If you like what you heard, let us know. Hop on whatever podcast app you're using, give us five stars, and leave a comment. If that's not enough, you can reach us at missingmurderedhaunted at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Instagram at missingmurderedhaunted. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts. Speaking of missing persons and speaking of hauntings, sources and musical credits can be found in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>